Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. Man, I am jacked about this episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Um, honestly, Matt, we're talking to one of my favorite uh, creators to watch on the YouTubes, on the internets. Um, and... Other than you, Matt, of course, is what I mean. Uh, yeah. Uh, Other than uh, you, this is my favorite person to watch. No, uh, we got Casey Smith from the Element. Casey, how's it how's it going in 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 the motherland? Right, you're in Texas. That's right. Uh, I, thanks, the man. country I of Texas. That. I think the reason you like to watch me so much is just you don't have a lot of time to spend on YouTube, so I'm the only one you end up seeing. It must be the <laughs> thing. But I, I appreciate that, dude. I'm in uh, in Texas. Yeah, not far from your parents up here, just sweating and. Doing the thing, I just uh, got out of the gym, which is not as much fun as it used to be. I do it out of necessity and not because I had big muscles anymore. You know, it kind of, you know, just being a dad, you kind of lose all that stuff. But you just try to maintain. Oh man, golly! I'm, well, really, I uh, I have a real little lower body, and so like I have a hard time climbing trees without working out my upper body real good. So I had to, you know, make sure my monkey arms are in good shape. You know what yeah, I mean? so, absolutely. That's what I do. <laughs> now, I think the real reason I think the real reason why I like watching you and Tyler so much is because I'm a I'm a Texas boy at heart. Like I was raised there. I've lived the majority of my life in Texas. And you guys act like Texans. And I just appreciate it. It it feels like like in another world, in another world where I was raised in East Texas, we probably would have been really good buddies. Um Guaranteed, growing man. up. Guaranteed. And so yeah, for sure enjoy watching you guys you y'all are absolutely crushing the game right now so first off we'll start out with that if somebody is listening to this and they have not heard of the element podcast and youtube channel um you need to go check that out because it's really good stuff thank you Parker. really I really good that, stuff so i guess yeah. i guess uh, for the people who don't know who you are um tell us a little bit about what you guys do there at the element okay so um, we try to have as much fun as we possibly can and also get things done. If I, if I was going to boil it down to anything, that's kind of what we have built ourselves on is like, man, sometimes the hunting world can get kind of stuffy with like, you know, like super tactics and all this stuff. And don't get me wrong. Tactics have a place and I very much enjoy them, but like, man, if we ain't having fun doing this, what are we doing? You know, why, why are we doing this? So that's what we try to do. We, we try to uh, have as much fun as we can chasing whitetail across the country and doing a lot of other stuff that we enjoy doing, you know, gardening, cooking, 
uh, trout fishing and other fishing. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go elk hunting this year and just do the thing, man. So just living outdoors and, uh, documenting it along the way and, and sharing with people. So that's, that's kind of what we do. Yeah. A really cool aspect that I think that you guys do that y'all bring to the table, um, is the Texas public land hunting. Now I'm from Texas and I can, I, I know I like, I never even heard, I didn't even know public land was a thing until <laughs> I was at least in high school. Like didn't even uh-huh. know it existed. Like you're telling me there's thousands of acres somewhere that I can just go to and hunt. Like, no, yeah, I no calls. Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing ever. The, that thought never even crossed my mind being raised in West Texas. Cause it's basically a rich man sport really in a lot oh, of the yeah. state it is. And so there's not a lot mm-hmm. of really good information or consumable content about Texas public land hunting. You guys uh, really do a, a great job uh, on that. But from what I understand, like if you're trying to create public land videos, and you live in a state like Texas, that can uh, come as a challenge, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, uh, I kind of look at it this way. Like, every kid in school nowadays is kind of guaranteed a D, and that's what we can do on public land in Texas. And then if you want to go make better grades, you got to go elsewhere. It's kind of the way we do stuff. <laughs> so, like, uh, but everybody we, says the big uh, – Texas is known for big bucks, right? Yeah, like, sort of. <laughs> I, you know, you've hunted East Texas a little bit. It's it, the state. Texas is such a huge state, and Alabama's kind of like this. Y'all got a couple different echo regions. Well, Texas has like seven echo regions, okay? And within each one of those, you have a unique individual um, deer herd. They're, they, they of course, aren't divided by a great void, but like the deer on the Texas Gulf Coast are much different than the High Plains deer up in the Panhandle, right? So, like, Texas is known for big giant bucks, but it's because we have an echo or a couple echo regions that are like the size of Missouri that produce big bucks. When like there's, you know, four other regions that, you know, if you see something outside the ears, it's a thing you did that day. You know, you tell people like, Hey, I saw a pretty good buck today. And we kind of live in that. And, uh, that's okay. You know, that's that South Texas stuff down like, that's called like the golden triangle. Um, you know, the mesquite country, that's where like the really big deer um, traditionally come from. There's also big deer, you know, along the western side of the state a lot. But any of this stuff where you look at Texas on the map and there's a lot of trees, you know, we kind of don't have the biggest bucks. And that's all right. Now, there are some around, but a lot of that is because, um, like you were saying, there's no large plots of, I shouldn't say no, there's very few large plots of public land. And then most of the private as well is small parcels. So we really struggle with age class more than anything. The genetics are here. I mean, uh, a couple of years back, Tyler killed a, a really nice deer here in East Texas. Um, and uh, they can do that. It's just they don't really get to that age class to be able to make it happen that often. So I don't even know if that was the question you asked. But yeah, that's well, what I told you. Matt, Matt, you ever <laughs> been you ever been out there to Texas, Matt? I haven't. And it, it's that's kind of what I was going to say is I actually have family in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Um, I've never been visited or anything, never done anything. But as a kid growing up, that was my quote unquote dream hunt. You know, it's changed over the years, yeah. but you always saw go to the Tecumani Ranch or somewhere <laughs> like that and just deer everywhere coming out just with like you said with no trees uh mm-hmm. probably a different region and uh but for your case it's a totally different 
different atmosphere. And for me, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Like, hey, Texas looks a little bit different than just what I've seen. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you got me Lubbock wanting to come visit that. now. That looks that country. You can go out there and shoot sandhill cranes and, and do some pretty cool stuff doing that. They did a lot of that out there. That's uh, uh, that's I mean, where I'm I mean, from. That's to... the area that I'm from, West Texas. Yeah. Midland I may Odessa. need to go visit some relatives and make a make a hunting trip out of it. Yeah, that'd be pretty fun, man. Yeah, that that West Texas stuff is cool. You know, Lubbock, that area isn't really known for deer very much. Uh, it's really known for dust more than anything in Red Lake. <laughs> yeah, but, sure. <laughs> Not um, wrong. You're from uh, from the Midland area, right, Parker? So kind of like Midland South is, is uh, you know, that's you're starting to get into deer country and that stuff. And it's and, just strange how like some areas looks like it should hold a lot of deer and it doesn't out there. It's it's kind of weird. You know, whenever I was being when I was raised out there, which was, I mean, let's say 12, 12 15 years ago is when I moved away. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't like the, around Midland. You'd have to go about an hour ish south of Midland, and then it was just like big bucks everywhere. Um, Midland like for whatever San reason, stuff. yeah, San Angelo, you start going to like, uh, Rankin area, big Lake, mm-hmm. uh, that area out there in West Texas. And that, that's where there was a lot of deer out there, but close to Midland and like Midland to Lubbock really didn't have much. That's about a two, I think two hour ride from Midland to Lubbock. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't, we, we hardly ever saw deer, but from what I understand now, it's changed a little bit. Like there's actually a really good population of deer developing in that, uh, that kind of, uh, above upper Permian basin area. And, That's uh, cool. yeah. So, I mean, which is, it's wild to me thinking about it. I even th- thought about this during Turkey season. Cause I went out to, uh, it's like central hill country and did a Turkey hunt. And it's wild to me that those regions like that, hold so many deer and hold so many turkeys and pigs like just all kinds of wildlife because when you get there it's like dry heat dusty not very green everything's brown it just does not look like the kind of place that would uh that would hold a lot of deer but then you go out to east texas where you're at and it looks perfect like you know everything's green and you've got um you know lots of water out there in east texas it's just everything seems to be so perfect, but it's it's really not the case. I, I can tell you my dad's property is, uh, you know, it, it's decent. It has some deer on it, but it's not Texas. It's not like what you think about when you think of Texas. Um, and unfortunately, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Texas today. So I know there's probably somebody that's listening is like, finally, a Texas episode. Best the best state, right? <laughs> yeah. Best state out there. That's yeah. right, man. If you got five thousand dollars to pay for a lease, it, there ain't a better state to hunt. I promise you. But <laughs> yeah. not everybody has that, you know it. And that's what I've grown up with, kind of like Parker talks about. Where, uh, you know, I had a couple uh, little reservoirs around close to home that has some public land around them, but struggled to kill deer that out there for most of my life. Hunted them pretty hard, and uh, you know, it's one of those deals where. Um, uh, you become a better hunter because of it. You know, I can imagine if I just went to uh, Iowa or lived in Iowa my whole life, I bet I'm not discounting those guys that live there, but like you just get used to seeing deer sign and seeing trails and seeing big bucks and big scrapes and all this stuff, you know, and it's, it's like stuff pops. But if you 
live somewhere where you got to go through the woods with a fine tooth comb to figure out where a sign is, it, it makes you pretty effective whenever you start traveling a little bit. So I'm thankful for it, even though there's not a ton of deer around. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get that. Uh, I understand what you're talking about. When you hunt those harder places, um, it, it definitely makes you better. Now, Matt, yeah. we did an episode, I guess, two weeks ago with my buddy Jake Lyshen talking about out-of-state hunting, and it really took off. People really enjoyed that episode because it was something practical that they could put and think about right now, right? So mm-hmm. we're about to start deer season here in a couple months. It'll be open, start opening up, and uh, people are planning the trips. I mean – putting vacation in, doing all this stuff. And so it's practical information they can use here and now. And um, so I started thinking about this. This is actually on Adam's recommendation to do this out-of-state type focus. And I, we talked about like really like like mobile hunting and, and on an out-of-state trip. So planning to go on one trip to this state and attacking it aggressively and mm-hmm. like really concentrating for like a week in one spot. And then there's the other aspect of it, right? There's the the hunting another state, but, you know, maybe going for four days and then going for three days later in the season. And then maybe you can just do a quick two-day trip at some other point and really kind of mm-hmm. spreading out the amount of times you get to hunt this state. And I thought there's nobody better to talk about that than you guys because I know that's something that you and Tyler both do a lot. And Matt, you do this as well. You you yeah. do this in Georgia I know you've done it in Tennessee. When you were living in Florida, you were doing it in Alabama. You're just kind of, kind of really focusing on multiple states that you could attack a lot during the season. And Matt, so I guess before we get in this with KC, um, tell me some things that you maybe in the, in the amount of time that you've done it, which I don't think has been a terribly long time that you've been doing yeah. this this kind of strategy. But what are some issues that you have seen? Uh, come up when you plan to hunt a state like like Georgia, hunt a state close by. What are some yeah, holes yeah. that you found in that? First off, I'm I'm using this podcast to learn from KC. Um, oh, get I, I'm gonna <laughs> you know give my spiel, but yeah, I've I've hunted Georgia the last two years. I'm not I've hunted as a non-resident. I live, you know, I'm an hour and thirty minutes away from the WMA I hunt, um, and I found myself the first year I spread myself way too thin. Um, on multiple WMAs, trying to find multiple deer to hunt rather than keying in on one area that had the deer. I just was trying to jump everywhere like I do here in Alabama. Um, and then as for like Tennessee, I hunted it just a handful of times, but they were just real quick hunts. And I did the same thing. I hunted a different WMA every time I visited the state rather than honing in on a area thinking about future years uh that's kind of my new new take on it is i'm i'm not necessarily hunting for this year i'm hunting for i'm scouting now for the next year's hunt kind of just planning ahead that's kind of my take on it now um but there was a lot of air um going and i'm still learning so that's that's kind of my spiel on what i did and how i've kind of messed up some areas i feel so casey with that being said i know this is something that you guys seem to do every year um, tell me how this got started. Cause most guys are just going to be like, Hey, let's go hunt Kentucky this year. And then next year, let's go hunt Illinois. And then the next year let's hunt flipping Nebraska or whatever. And you guys really seem to really develop 
um, and and plan to invest a lot of time in a specific state. Where did that get started for you guys? Um, that mentality probably comes from the old deer lease mentality that I used to have. Tell you the truth, the matter right? We're like, um, before it got outrageous, like when we were in high school, like in the two thousands, you could still, uh, you know, a working man could afford it. Uh, you know, a couple hundred acres somewhere in the hill country or South Texas, which was like a, sometimes a six, seven hour drive from home. And, uh, you know, you'd invest a season in, in your deer lease. Um, and I kind of learned that from my dad and granddad. And Tyler did it a different way. Him and his dad hunted out of state doing the same thing. They had a lease um, and they would, you know, continually go back up to the lease year in, year out. And uh, I guess just kind of by necessity, we got priced out of the lease game and then kind of. Uh, without actually discussing it, it just kind of developed into a thing that you do sometimes when you go out of state, you invest money in a license to go to, you know, a particular state, like say, you know, Arkansas is real close for us. So Oklahoma is pretty close to, you know, Missouri and Louisiana are out there as well. Um, you can go get, especially in some of those states, multiple buck tags. So why not go learn a place pretty good or an area at least and, and spend time going back and forth there as opposed to doing the state jump thing. Now we do that uh, quite a bit too, you know, we'll be in a lot of different States this fall, but um, there's a couple that we definitely don't go up there just trying to tag out right away. You know, you kind of get there and assess the situation and, and uh, you know, I'll be frank. I, I very much enjoy trophy hunting. I want to shoot a big deer when I get an opportunity, I'm going to shoot deer to eat for sure and make sure that that's something I've done. But, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to go out of state and spend time hunting. You know, I love to hunt, right? So if I go, you know, say to Arkansas and uh, like I will this year and just shoot the first legal bucket, see, well, I didn't really get to experience Arkansas that much, you know, whereas like as long as my family can stand it, you know, and it's not putting too much pressure at home, like it'd be pretty cool to go up there and hunt for, you know, six days and then think that, okay, I'm going to go home for a week and a half and then come back up here, uh, you know, after – or maybe on a cold front or something, you know, it's, it's kind of a, that same mentality as it used to be kind of going to the lease, but instead of going to a lease, you're treating public land in multiple States as your lease. It's a good thought. That's awesome. I've never really thought about that, about like driving distances. And when I lived in Texas, like it was nothing to drive two hours, three hours to get to yeah. your lease, you know, and we'd go every weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you think about the expenditures, man, like, dude, you, not to be like super inspirational right off the get go here, but goodness <laughs> gracious, man! Like you know, now legitimately, you're not going to find anything in Texas that's less than three thousand dollars a gun. Well, think about how much gas, even in Biden gas right now, how much gas that'll buy you. You know what I mean? It's like insane. Yeah. Like how you can get tags in three states and pay for all your gas in a season. The same thing it, it would cost you to just go hunt a lease locally. And I know y'all aren't in Texas, so like I don't know what things cost there. If it, lease and land even is a thing there in Alabama, but you know, for us, a lot of us here, that is the thing. And I think that that's something I didn't realize growing up. My mom or my dad and granddad didn't either. And I'm I'm glad I've kind of like came upon it because it's kind of freeing. Tell you the truth of the matter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Parker. What would you say a club here is fifteen hundred? A good club is like fifteen hundred to two thousand. Yeah, a good one. You Just can on, get on, on some. You can get on some average ish, you know, ones mm -hmm. and kill, you know, uh, 
a respectable deer, maybe somewhere and, around and, six to six hundred to a thousand. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 not terrible, but you're gonna have to hunt that, hard yeah. to kill these on a on a cheaper under a thousand club. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna. It, it, I feel like we could probably go and and kill bucks like guys who really are uh, really understand deer, but like going and sitting on a food plot, it's probably not going to work out for you too terribly well in that like poor man's club type thing. Mm -hmm. Our our clubs are called leases or our leases are called clubs. It's just kind of like cultural thing. I've had friends ask me, well, Hey, you want to join this hunting club? Why Why don't you join a hunting club? And, when you have the freedom, like you said, of, hey, I can buy a tag in this state. I can travel here. I'd rather use that money I'd spend on a club to go see new places and learn new things. And kill yeah, more absolutely. deer, right? Like, you yeah. can kill yeah. more deer. Yeah. And bigger deer. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was in a, I was actually in a club in Illinois one year, um, and it was, I think it was $2,500 for the year a uh, person. And there's, I mean, there's clubs in Alabama that are $2,500 a year. Why would I pay that for a club in Alabama that's three hours away when I can drive three more hours and be hunting in Illinois? You know, it doesn't make sense. And Illinois is an expensive tag even. Like, Illinois is a really expensive tag. You're still going to come out cheaper. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and your experience is going to be even – is great too. And I think that's a huge thing, Uh, you know, not to go down the hunter retention path too far, but, like, man, you can spend a whole lot of money – on gear and gas and all kinds of stuff on a club or whatever in uh still be in a duke area and like it ain't gonna take you long to get burned out you know but you take that same amount of stuff go explore some wild new place and like if nothing else the adventure side of it will keep you after it a little bit harder much less you know that the lure of bigger animals too you know or even a higher population that's a huge thing for us you know being in east Texas. this is why we used to go to south texas it wasn't that um there was bigger deer per se it's just you actually saw deer every day which is real cool you know i grew up not seeing deer every night you know (laughs) hey guys as most of you know censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control so we've partnered with the social media platform go wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship go wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, like gift cards, free stuff like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you. The ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake-up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your work day, a good cup of high-quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee for Your Cause program, where 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice check out six day grind today that's the word six followed by day grind yeah so so I, I know there's been several states that that you guys have really keyed in on i, I want to know um when you guys are searching 
um, or even just you, you know, I don't know how y'all's process works, if y'all work off of each other or not, but when you guys are searching for like a state to invest this, this type of hunt into, mm-hmm. um, what all goes into that for y'all? Um, it's a good question. So yeah, to kind of break that down a little bit, Tyler and I, Tyler Jones, for those people listening, I think he's been on your show before. He's my best friend, hunting partner, business partner, all that. Um, as we continue to do the element, our schedules are like, uh, married pretty much at this point in time, you know, like we're pretty much hunting together all the time. Uh, there's a few things like draw tags and different things that, that changes somewhat, you know, but for the most part, we're going to film and do all that stuff together throughout the fall. So we hunt a lot of this stuff together. And, and, um, I would say that, uh, the way the planning process happens is very, uh, uh, natural, very, uh, uh, organic is the word I'm looking for here. Like it's just, um, Tyler always has a goal to hunt a new state every year. That's not really something I, uh, aspire to as much as him. It's fun for me, but, uh, that's like a thing he wants to do. So a lot of times that happens. That's why he went to Arkansas last year to hunt a new state. And, um, that kind of plays into it. Some also the aspect of being able, you know, to be frank, to go get good footage of cool deer means a lot to us you know because it's a thing that we do um and then you know uh how expensive the tag is usually plays into into that i think it's something a lot of guys can relate to and then um if you're looking for a state to hunt that is that you're going to try to go to multiple times in a season uh you're gonna have to be able to get there uh, multiple times in a season and that's huge now that doesn't mean it has to be close to home that's not what i'm saying but you have to make sure you've allocated the resources to make that happen. You know, like um, Tyler went to Iowa twice in 2019 uh, and we were both just poor as all get out that year too, but he made sure and went twice, you know, because it was a state that meant something to him. And, and uh, you know, he slept in the truck and ate uh, Campbell's soup while he was up there, you know, um, to make it happen. But you have to make sure that you're, you are committed if you're going to hunt in that style to make it to the state more than once, you know, like it would be real easy for a lot of people uh, because life is busy and families are important to misrepresent what they think is going to happen in the season. You know, go hunt a place for six days, be very casual about it, you know, lay back, do observation sits, scout, do all that stuff, not, really get after a deer and then go home and life get busy and then you not make it back up there you've just spent money on a tag and all that stuff that you didn't end up filling so i think that you commitment's a huge part of it when you're talking about doing a hunt like that where you're going to go out of state and and plan on going back you you got to make sure and follow through on those plans yeah that so so looking at looking at so it's i know one of the things that people really seem to get tied up on is uh, you kind of mentioned it briefly there, talking about when Tyler slept in his truck and ate Campbell's soup. Um, yeah. uh, people really get hung up on the housing, right? Where mm-hmm. am I going to sleep, right? If mm-hmm. if I'm going to go and say I want to hunt, uh, say I want to hunt Oklahoma this year, and I want to plan to hunt it through their whole season and treat mm-hmm. Oklahoma as a lease, like where am I going to sleep? Uh, I think a lot of people get tied up on that. We talked about that in the episode with Jake a couple weeks ago, what, how, how are you guys looking at it? Are y'all looking at like we get rooms for these type of States because we know where we're going to focus on in one area. Mm -hmm. Are you sleeping in the truck? Are you tent camping? What's that look like for you guys? 
Uh, I try not to temp camp below like frost uh, temps just because it's not super comfortable. Um, but I slept in the truck quite a bit last year in Oklahoma. I got a, so I, I retrofitted a camper topper from a 2001 Dodge to fit my truck. And so it's actually pretty slick, man. It works real good. All I had to do is put a one before between the bed rail and the camper. And then everything is airtight after that. And so, um, I uh, slept in the back of my truck. I made sure and bought a truck with a six and a half foot bed. That way I can sleep stretched out in it. Uh, and, uh, it works real good. And if you don't have like the the sleeping pad and the sleeping bag for that kind of stuff, it's okay. But I would say like, it's worth investing in that stuff for that type of thing. Like if you're going to go spend money on a hotel room, you can find really cheap ones, but for the most part, they're going to average 80 bucks a night, probably something like that. You know, you can find some $50 ones, but you know, you also might find some more expensive ones too. Sometimes the $50 ones, you end up itchy the next yeah, morning too. You might find yeah, bedbugs. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't right. let Parker book your hotel. Yeah. Not in not on a South Alabama bonus buck hunt, man, that we are, we're not going to get into that, but we almost got bedbugs and I understand. I just, yeah. So mm-mm. it can get rough, right? So like, you take that money that you were going to invest in the uh, the hotel room stuff potentially, um, and buy you a three or four hundred dollar camper topper to go in your truck. Which I would suggest if you're serious about hunting, and you don't have a topper, man. What are you doing? Because it's the way to fly. I don't know if you have one or not, but I love it, dude. You can lock your stuff up. It's yeah. You look like I an old one. man, but I like being old. My I, wife hates it. She says I can't have one again. <laughs> oh man one. i've been looking for one actually i know a guy uh who owns a car lot and they take them off they can't sell trucks with camper uh shells yeah. on it. like people won't buy them and so he's like yeah dude i'll get you hooked up next time oh, i get a that model truck in it's all yours um, that's good dude. so i'm waiting on it but but i i, I think I, I was i was hoping i was really hoping you'd kind of say this like you're you, you guys are and and a lot of us and a lot of our listeners are these type of people where we're going to save money on amenities. And it was the mm-hmm. same thing that Jake said in a couple of weeks ago, like sleeping truck, like learn how to do that comfortably. Mm-hmm. And you can, it opens up so many more opportunities. And even talking about going and hunting states, like I think right now, if I got on a lease in Kentucky, I'd probably still just sleep in my truck. Right. Like I, yeah. Even if I knew it was in the same spot I have all the time, I'd probably just still stay in my truck because like you said, like one night, two nights at a at a motel, that could have paid for your gas the next trip. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And yeah. I, I just I there's also this idea that people are like, Well, I just don't want to do that. And to that I say it like maybe money's not a not a issue for you if if i mean if i had lots of money i'd probably stay in a motel room i would yeah. <laughs> it doesn't just make me jacked up to sleep in my truck but it yeah. makes me fired up to kill big deer and i want to go i want to go do that that's sleeping is whatever i can do that the rest of the year um so maybe money's not an issue and you want to do that but also maybe this style of hunting might not just be up your alley because if sleeping yeah. if not sleeping in your truck if sleeping in your truck sounds uncomfortable then the mm-hmm. rest of this style of hunting is going to be pretty uncomfortable as well. You don't want it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't recommend it. And now, now that all that to say, I stayed in the motel room a few times last year, and it's nice sometimes. Like sure. there are times, whether it's inclement weather or just um, 
the necessity for good sleep uh, really pays off. And that's like I've, I've argued both sides at this point. Uh, not argue is kind of a negative connotation, but you get what I'm saying. I, I have vouched for both sides because, like, for instance, last year we went to Nebraska in September and hunted. And in September in Nebraska, there's only like five and a half hours of darkness anyway. Yeah. And if you spend a lot of that time getting truck camp set up and cooking at the, you know, like and doing all that stuff, you're only sleeping like four hours a night. Uh, and if that's rough and kind of warm, like you end up like day three, not being the best hunter you can be. So like there is another aspect of this of like getting good sound sleep to that makes you a better hunter because if you're trying to prolong this hunt and, you know, have a five, six, seven day whitetail hunt, which is pretty long for a lot of guys. Uh, if you have just killed yourself and you're a zombie by day four, you're not going to make the best decisions. So you need to just, I guess, weigh all that out in your mind and see if you can sleep comfortably in the truck, if it's feasible, if it's practical and if it works. And what I've done in the past uh, is like, if it's the experimental trip, to one of these places i'll sleep in the truck that way i'm not really tied down to a spot i can hop around go find like a particular wma that i end up liking and then i can kind of put some roots down maybe find a hotel or airbnb or something that i like and and sleep a little bit better once i find the place and that's another thing on that man like hotels are expensive but a lot of times you can get airbnb in some of these places that are dirt cheap that are just as nice or nicer and you can cook and split that cost with a buddy, and it's like $35, $40 a night, mm-hmm. you know, per guy to have, like, a house to stay in. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, looking at all those different options, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's more options. And and there are times, like you said, I think, you know, I – absolutely. If it's, if it's supposed to be, like, super rainy or uh, bad weather or, like, when I go to Kentucky in September – and it's hot. That air conditioner is so valuable oh, to me. Yeah. Like, and being able to having a place to effectively pull ticks off of your wiener, you know, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Good stuff, lighting stuff. Yeah, <laughs> stuff to do in the truck. Um, yeah. Whereas in a room, it, it's definitely so. There are there are times when I, I think it makes sense, but I, I want to know. So, Casey, there's this there's this phrase, and I'm going to try to get it right on the first time, but it's like it takes uh, three days three days of scouting to find some type of pattern on deer. Um, and, what is it? Three days of hunting to maybe kill one, but three years in an area to actually know what the deer are doing. Right. Mm. Like you, like there's, there are, you can, you can find deer and, but to actually have a really good grasp on an area, you really need several seasons of experience mm-hmm. to kind of learn that. Have you found that to be true in this type of hunting? Um, I can, I can see where that could be considered the case in some situations. I think that, uh, the other factor to that is what are you trying to get out of a hunt? Uh, because, uh, I feel like a lot of times I'm not trying to be boastful, but sometimes my standards aren't super high on an out-of-state hunt. So like I can maybe crunch those numbers a little bit and, and, you know, and within three days be killing something. But I also... I'm very apt to shoot a 90 inch deer if I feel like it, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Uh, and I think that, um, if you're going out of state trying to find a, a mature buck to shoot, then that, that probably does hold true. Now there is like this aspect of like overlapping experience 
that helps with that though, where like once you kind of get used to this out of state thing going and just collecting data and processing it all, like it, that system gets faster each time you do it. Uh, so like, did you play football in high school? Either y'all played ball? I was, or from, that yeah. stuff? I was from Midland, Texas. Yeah, I, I played, I played yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta ask, you know, me too. And like, you know how like in two days you're like, you got a headache, you're trying to read offenses and do all this stuff. Well, by the time, you know, end of October gets there, you're in mid-season form and you're just ticking, you know. And a lot of times hunting's kind of like that too, where like once you've done this a few times, like you really learn what to pick up on and how to make these moves. And these out-of-state hunt hunts get a lot easier for one reason, because you like understand that whitetail are the same thing everywhere. They're still whitetail. They do the same stuff. They sleep, they eat, and they breed, right? And that's just everything they do revolves around those three things. So you just have to identify the limiting factors to each of those three things in that particular area, and then you can pretty much hunt them, right? So once you get good at understanding like those patterns of whitetail, that can really condense. And then you pair that with getting good at this other stuff that we've been talking about, about the traveling side of stuff, you know, smooth out your system there, get you a good sleep system, get your food right understand if you're going to be a mobile hunter if you're going to be a, you know a solitary tree stand or a, a stationary tree stand guy or on the ground or whatever it's kind of get your tactic in order you can kind of condense this stuff and feel pretty good on a long weekend that you have a good shot at killing a deer yeah that's good stuff very good earlier casey you did uh mention about how the guys who have tougher home areas to hunt as far as you know i think you said uh find it with a fine tooth comb yeah. to find sign and how much that can benefit you knowing how to work hard to find it. Mm-hmm. When you do go to these Northern States, you're able to, it's, it's everywhere. You know, it's yeah. kind of easier, easier to find what an average guy would typically find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. That's right, man. Like you end up going out there and, and it's like, you can get a little bit uh, bogged down with it too, to tell you the truth matter. Like, you can go out there and be like, oh, man, look at all these scrapes. And then just yeah. hunt a place where a deer aren't. And then yeah, you realize that, oh, there's scrapes and rubs everywhere. I got to find what, something special, you know? That's yeah. what I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can happen. And I, um, I'm not sure I can tell you outside of, like, go experience it and do it, how to, like, overcome it, you know? Because right. you kind of got to just see it in person. But I can tell you one of the things that really helps me is to go to a state where I can see deer. Because, like, you take a southern state. Like, I'm sure y'all can identify with this. Texas is like this where I live in East Texas. Alabama's probably real thick. Arkansas is this way. Uh, Iowa can be this way. But you go to a state where, like, you can put eyes on deer every hunt and watch what they're doing. You can start making some moves quick and see what you where you need to be and what you need to be doing. Whereas, like, you can go here, like, say, local on public in Texas and hunt four hunts and not see a deer but it's just because you can only see 40 yards, you know, like yeah. you can't tell what the deer hundred yards away are doing. Cause you don't know they're there. So like going to a state where you can see deer and like put eyes on the critter is huge for me. Cause I could, then I'd like, dude, as soon as I see an animal, I can make a move like that. I don't have to think about, well, what should I do here? Or should I look at the topography? Should I look at the water features? You know, no, go do what the deer just did. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. 
Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. That's that, great. That That's is a great. that is interesting. We've said this a couple times on podcasts before, but um, Alabama at one point, I think it was like in the 2015 census or something like that, was like ranked number four in deer density uh, mm-hmm. out of all the states. But if you hunted, hunters in Alabama are looking at me like, there's no freaking way. I know I've been to more states than that, that it's easier to see deer in. And it's because mm-hmm. of what you're saying. It's just simply easier to see deer. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's why that's we huge. go to one of the reasons I love South Dakota because it's uh, we put in for that draw every year. And if we get drawn, like you go up there and you're watching deer the whole time and you're seeing like they just there's more deer than there is cover almost. You know what I mean? Like they can yeah. find a hole to live in during the day. That's it's low pressure. And like you just get to see their bed to feed patterns. And I love hunting in October too because you know there's nothing weird going on with the rut. Like the rut's awesome. I love it. I will hunt it over anything else. But there is this certain level which Southerners don't always understand, right? Where like if you can hunt deer on an October opener where it's cool and they actually move around in the daylight, uh, like <laughs> it's really enjoyable because they yeah. do the same thing every day as long as the wind's the same. You know, like. I, I don't know if I'll ever hunt another opener, archery opener in Texas because it's usually at least 95, you know, and it's just miserable and you don't see deer during the daytime, but you go up somewhere up North where like they move around and it's a whole new ball game. Man, that's so true. Golly. It's so true. It's like, yeah. Um, like I, I, and I'm going back to Kentucky this year because I can't afford, I think you called it Biden gas a while ago. I was planning on going <laughs> yeah, to North buddy. Dakota. I said t- I t- last year I said I will never do another opener in Kentucky ever again um, yeah. because I went to North Dakota for their opener and it was like 45 degrees in the morning. It's just uh, beautiful amazing. weather uh, and there's deer, you know, deer yes. moving around doing deer things. Acorns are already dropping, you know, like it's like wow. it's like fall <laughs> in, in October. Yeah, or yeah September you understand out there. like why. Starbucks t- starts the pumpkin spice stuff in August so because some places it feels good. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. It doesn't feel like uh, Satan's butthole like it does down oh, here. Uh, it's, yeah, dude. It's terrible. And, um, and, and I also think, you know, you have those Midwestern states where you have more of the destination type food sources, right? So you've got mm-hmm. ag fields, um, you've got uh, oak ridges, right? They are not. Every, every ridge is not an oak ridge in the Midwest. Like there's mm-hmm. specific spots where you have acorns dropping at and it's like, oh, well, that's cool. Whereas here, and I'm sure a lot where you're at, there's oaks everywhere. So it's like, yeah. it's like, yes. how are you going to, how are you going to figure out an early season food, food pattern? Because they really don't mm-hmm. have to have one in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, and so uh, I think it's really cool to have these places that you focus on. And I've done this with Kentucky. I've made that somewhere that I'm going to go to um, multiple times a season, a lot of the time. And 
if I can, if I have to, I'll go multiple times of the season because it's in, in close proximity. You know, it's five and a half hours for me to get up there and be in places where there are deer. Now, it is hot in September, but it's still a – you have a pretty decent chance at having encounters with bucks, whereas down here, we just – October 1st, that opener is just, you know, it – you could if, – if you – how can I say this? If in Alabama, if you have private land and you're hunting on a corn feeder, if mm-hmm. you're baiting, it might be decent. Um, yeah. Any other That's how it is. Yeah, way, same thing. Just, yeah. You know. Yeah, you know exactly yeah. how it is because Texas, yeah. Texas is known for baiting. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's just how people hunt. But on your public land, I don't think y'all can bait at all, right? Uh, it's very select few. None of the ones that I hunt you, can you bait on. And that usually the ones that you can bait are draw only. Mm-hmm. So – you know, it's not something that usually applies. Now, that's by the law, of course. We yeah. also live in yeah. outlaws, as y'all probably do too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, it's it's not rare to find a, a corn pile out here, and yeah. and and man, like there are when I'm sitting there October first, and it's hot, you know, and I'm not seeing deer. Mosquitoes are biting me everywhere. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you like how many of those, like basically the whole month of October in Alabama where I've been being like, I just wish I lived somewhere else, (laughs) you know, like that's the time when I really wish I would live somewhere else. (laughs) But when you have, um, the ability to go and actually just go somewhere else, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a, it's a pretty cool thing to do. And I think it's a. Do you would you agree with this, Casey? I think I think you would because you kind of hit it on in the beginning. It's a mindset thing right like yes i'm traveling five hours but i'd be traveling anyway to go to my hunting club or to go to the the national forest down the road or what whatever you know i'd be i would much rather invest that time traveling and have a good chance right a good chance at seeing a deer yeah and be gone it goes beyond like the mindset of just the travel thing too like uh you have to have the mindset of being committed to wanting to hunt and have a good experience while doing it and by no means am I poo-pooing on the guys who want to just have a club close to home so they can carry, you know, the family out there and do the thing. I, I love that. You know, that's – we bought 20 acres here in East Texas recently, me and my wife did, just so that, you know, I can have a place to carry my kiddos and stuff um, so, because I don't want to take them to public land because they won't see a deer, you yeah. know. So, <laughs> They'll be done like, pretty quick. Yeah. So, like, you, uh, you have to – almost build your lifestyle around this stuff to a certain extent and guys who are committed to hunt and have no problem hearing that right because we're all about doing that what can we do more you know like what how can we make ourselves more of a hunter right? we're all about that stuff but it's sometimes it's in the things you don't understand it's in the things like you know not eating out as much so you have money but you have to budget that stuff to make that money actually show up somewhere else right like you know say your blue collar guy that does remodeling you know and and normally the guys on the crew go to the taco shop and get tacos at lunch well bring bring a sandwich three days a week go out with the guys two days a week you've saved 45 dollars that week well that adds up real quick you know things like that or for instance um and i'm not gonna harp on anybody around here of course right but i quit snuff a little while back and i save a lot of money because of that (laughs) right and it's 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 a real deal especially i was dipping copenhagen you know the expensive stuff and in texas let me tell you something texas tobacco tax is stupid really i didn't know that yes 
Um, and, and, and I think a lot of the Midwestern, uh, like from Texas up, I think a lot of it is, but like here it's, it's not nearly as expensive as what, what y'all pay for it. I was dipping Copenhagen when I was in high school out there and it was like, I mean, that was freaking 12, 13 years ago and Mm -hmm. it was like six fifty, I think a can, something like that. I mean, yeah, that's about that's right. And, you know, wow. You know how Texans are. We're double horseshoeing, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> dipping a whole can every time. Out here. It's expensive, you know. You got to – things like that. And it's not you just – made me want to dip. A, Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a place – you know, it's a thing you can you can save on if, if you need to save that money. There's always things. Like, I, for a long time, just had, like – the same three Sunday shirts and then a bunch of old t-shirts that I wore. And, uh, my wife would, cause when I was single, I was a styling man, you know, I had all kinds of stuff, but you know, ever since I've been married, you know, my wife's like, you don't have any sense of style anymore. It's like, well, Dude, I don't care. You we're know? the same person, but, except you quit dipping and I didn't like, we're the same, <laughs> we're the same guy. My wife has that conversation with me at least once a week. Uh, it's funny, man, because I don't know, like it doesn't matter anymore. Guess what? My, you know, I got some pretty like good hunting gear that really serves me well, you know, and, uh, and that's what matters to me when it comes to who am I trying to impress, you know, the deer, I don't, who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, with your, impress them with your hunting gear. That's right. I'm impressing with Ronnie, you know, press right in there. But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. There's just so many things to uh, a person's lifestyle that you, if you start to examine it, that you can change to where this traveling to hunt thing is feasible for almost anybody. Um, so that's what I would, I would say is to look at it on a broader scale, you know, and also like the taking care of your body side of stuff. You know, I said, I was at the gym tonight and I'm not telling everybody to go to the gym, but like, it's a thing I've struggled with throughout my life. I've, <laughs> I was a bodybuilder for a little while and then I got real fat and then I, bent back to the gym and ran a lot and then got fat it's a ebb and flow right but like (laughs) as you get older this stuff it's harder to come back from that stuff and you you if you treat your body well you don't have to have six-pack abs to be in shape right like you just need to be able to move functionally and that stuff's pretty important you know that stuff makes you more efficient whenever you go out on the road and travel and stuff it makes you sleep better because you feel better you know it's there's so many little things you know that can affect your performance on an out-of-state trip that's exactly right um i mean man i i tell you you kind of hit on it but you said like the crowd that is going to hear this and not be like well that's just ridiculous is the crowd that's already like they want they're listening to this wanting to learn how can i be better at this right Mm -hmm. we're not talking tactics we're not talking buck betting or thermals or any of that crap that stuff is all important um we're talking about just creating a lifestyle or creating the opportunity for you to just go and experience Mm -hmm. these cool things you know what i mean and like um like like you said man it's like there are so many little things that if you will if you'll you i hate to even say it this way but i'm not a i'm not a an administrative type right like i i'm Excel spreadsheets and crap like that doesn't get me, it doesn't get me fired Mm -hmm. up at all, but I at least have a mental understanding of like, okay, deer season's coming up. I want to go to these places. What am I going to, what's going to, what am I going to sacrifice here? You know, like, um, it, it's not rare for me. And I know we're talking like, we're just kind of chasing a rabbit trail, but it's not rare for me 
for my wife to say on my birthday, my birthday's the beginning of October. I'll say, hey, uh, she'll say, hey, what do you want for your birthday? And all I want is for you to just let me go. Let me, go, <laughs> let me, let me go for about four days and you don't have to buy anything. You don't have to spend money. You don't have to go shopping. You don't have to do anything for my birthday. I just want to go. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. You know, like I take those opportunities and that's a kind of a goofy way of explaining like guys like this usually don't have a problem sacrificing an, something else to be able to do this. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And, and I think all that stuff is huge. Now, Casey, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know it's getting late, but um, is there anything else about this style of hunting and out-of-state hunts that you feel like would be really important to a listener? Yes. uh, There's a couple of phrases that I kind of live by on these out-of-state hunts that I I want to put out there for the folks, man, because I – I approach these things a certain way. I'm, if you know me very much and, and you do, like I'm not very laid back. I can be, I can, I can relax and have a good time, you know, but like whenever it's, it's getting time, I'm getting, you know? And so these trips uh, that you're taking are time away from your family. It's time away from your jobs. It's time away from a lot of things. Right. And quite honestly, like being a hunter is kind of selfish uh for Very. especially for a family guy you know and it's it's kind of weird right but like thankfully i'm married to a person who understands my passions you know and, and i think you are too and and so like um we need to respect that as well so like part of doing this thing is being effective and efficient and and not prolonging things past what they need to do so that like there's there's a couple things that i like to say um and like my overall tactic on an out-of-state hunt is to make uh, – it's a phrase that I call knowledgeably aggressive. I make knowledgeably aggressive moves every hunt. I never, ever set up for a observation sit. I do my best to be hunting the whole time. I don't like to glass just from the truck, none of that stuff. Now, I've done it, and I did it last year quite a bit in certain situations and circumstances, but – I feel better when I'm hunting. Like I want to be in the mix the whole time, but I have to make those moves knowledgeably aggressive. I'm not going to go in somewhere on a wind that's kind of bad and just be like, I'm going in. I don't care. You know, I ain't got time for this. Like that's a bad idea. You're, you're also wasting time doing that because you're blowing deer out. You're going to have to restart tomorrow. Right. So if you're going to be a guy who wants to go try this out of state type stuff or traveling to hunt type stuff, you need to, be very good at assessing the data that you can take in and then processing that and making a decision that puts you in the best optimal place to hunt a deer the next day, the next hunt. Uh, and make the most aggressive move you can get away with without messing something up. That's being knowledgeably aggressive. And that will kill you deer. It really will, man. Once I started hunting like that, it was, it was uh, about 2020 when I kind of started like doing things that way. And that's only a couple of years ago, right? But like, that's when I was like, I it kind of, it, it, the light bulb came on, right? I was like, I need to stop messing around. I need to go after those deer, but I don't need to mess this situation up because I've got a good thing going here. And man, it just changed the way hunt outcomes go for me. Like, I, 
I'm not a big buck slayer. I haven't killed a lot of big deer. I've killed some deer. I've killed a whole lot of hogs, right? But, um, you know, I used to be a one buck a year kind of guy, which I think a lot of guys can identify with that, right? But don't we all want to be a two buck a year kind of guy or a three, you know? And the thing that changed for me is doing that, man. Like I started killing more deer because I didn't jack around. I got after it and went in there and found deer, but made good decisions in doing so. Man, I like so, that. <laughs> knowledge knowledge what what was it be knowledgeable knowledgeably aggressive, aggressive. Yeah, yeah i like that i like that a lot and yeah. and i think sure. you know especially with a lot of the a lot of the video content that's out there right now there's this uh, and I, I i watch youtube videos with the most judgmental eye ever oh me too it's so um, fun isn't it? <laughs> like like uh, man sometimes i'm like I wish I would have never wasted time. We talk about wasting time spent watching just random YouTube videos. Um, but since the hunting public really has kind of taken off and really done like kind of brought to light a lot of this public land access type stuff. Um, like it seems like a lot of things are not a secret. And so you watch one video and they're doing the exact same thing. Like anytime there's a public land, uh, a public land based video that I see there it's people going in and, and you, and you see it, they, they drive around for the first day. Oh, we're just, we're just driving. Um, going to go check a couple overlooked spots. I hear that one a lot. Um, oh, like, yeah. no, you just didn't want to walk very far. Uh, <laughs> and, and you're calling an overlooked spot now because Dan and fault said it might be, um, yeah. That's why I'm from the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, which which they, they do exist. These overlooked spots, like he's not yeah. he's not bullcrapping. Like those are real things. But I feel like always people are like I'm gonna go check out this overlooked spot. Yeah, guess what, guys? When you pull up, you're not the first guy to be like, oh, these three spots are overlooked. You know, yeah. like there's a reason you're looking at them. So is everybody else? Exactly. <laughs> if I know of an overlooked spot, it's because I happened into it. I want like I've never found an overlooked spot. Because it was like, oh, I bet this spot's overlooked. And then, no, it's yeah, because, like, you're walking out and you see a buck in a weird place. You're like, what is going on over there, you know? Yeah, you, you didn't mark it on a map and say, hey, this is this is going to be overlooked dynamite right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> overlooked, <laughs> overlooked dynamite. dynamite. Dude, we need like to make that, a shirt, that Matt, that has, like, a parking lot on the shirt design. Right, and then it's gonna have a pin right next to it, and it's gonna say I'd "overlooked dynamite." A, a buck bed because the buck's sitting there watching. <laughs> That's it, and it needs to be the corner of a soybean field. <laughs> Nobody's gonna be here. Um, perfect. No, but but what you talk about the being knowledgeably aggressive, um, I think there's a there's a balance that has to happen, right? Like from some people might hear that and think, "Oh, he's telling me just go straight in for the hunt." Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily that the not you have to have the knowledge. How do you get the knowledge mm-hmm. scouting? If you're scouting, I always go in similar to what you're talking about with the intention of scouting until I find a spot. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and until I find something that I cannot walk away from. Sometimes that means I'm not going to hunt that day because mm-hmm. if I scout, I might scout and scout and scout and never find something that I want to waste my time on. But at least I mm-hmm. went, you know, and looked around, but it's being knowledgeably aggressive or trying to be so that whenever i do find that spot that area that just says crap this is dynamite um Mm -hmm. overlooked dynamite right here uh (laughs) when when i do find these spots though i have all my stuff i always take my saddle with me i always take my sticks always got my bow Mm -hmm. i'm always intending to hunt but if i don't find anything 
you know, I may not be able to hang up. But if I do yeah. find something, I can maybe the next day make that uh, knowledgeably aggressive move, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's well, kind of what you're build, saying. Build off of it. Build off each thing you learn. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, a, a huge important thing is, and I've seen guys do this, and I've probably done it too. I'm not going to admit to you the times I did it because it looks way better for me to talk about other people than me, right? But, like, the <laughs> the uh, I've seen this happen, and I try to not do it, but, like, guys will like set up in a, on a sit and then they'll see deer, like maybe a target buck 200 yards away and they'll go set up 60 yards from where they saw that deer. And it's like, dude, can you like, are you a 60 yard shooter kind of guy? Like, what are you doing? You know, like if you're, especially if you're hunting public land, like dude, there might be a orange hat in there the next day. Like you need to be as close to that deer as you can get away with and hunt that thing you know and then that's where that aggressive part comes into play like it's the thing we haven't hardly talked about much but like just because you're traveling six or seven you know four hours away from home whenever it is that doesn't mean you're leaving all the hunters behind you know and i'm by no means the guy who thrives off of like the competition aspect of public land i don't i don't get that at all that's not me like i wish i didn't see anybody else out there right like it doesn't it doesn't trip my trigger to say this is the same deer everybody can hunt you know and if you do that's fine it's just i I like going to remote places where there's nobody at but at the same time uh with on x and you know people on youtube like us showing that you can go back in these far places like there's no place too deep for anybody and so what that means is that there's no safe place that like, oh, nobody's going to find these deer, you know? So, like, you need also need to be making aggressive moves with a little bit of that idea that, like, hey, yeah, somebody else could come in here tomorrow, hunt this on the wrong wind, and blow the whole thing out, and it's over. So, I don't have the time to sit back and just make sure I'm making the right decision here when you already know in your consciousness what is the right decision to do. That's good stuff. That's really good. Yeah. Knowledgeably aggressive moves. That's uh... – a something major that people can take from this episode i think cool, Matt, did you have anything I got one other I, oh you I got, got one more yeah i got another one this ain't gonna be near as long all right it's easy give amazing a chance to happen that's what i always sound like i've, state hunts, I've heard you say that yeah it's, it's important dude if you if you just play it safe and do things that are just very normal then like amazing might not ever happen but if you just like last year we got a hunt coming out uh i guess it'll release late september i don't know i killed a public land buck in oklahoma in late late december over a cattle water trough and he was about to jump a cattle gate to go drink out of this cattle water trough and i hung in like the one tree that was 13 yards from this trail that he was jumping to go drink out of his water trough and you look at it and you're like there ain't no way this is gonna work and but the pattern was there and it just knew it was gonna you know it was there was a good chance that it happened and you, there was a hundred reasons why you could not do that, but what do you got to lose, man? It's it's the best knowledge you got, and it just ends up amazing. So you got to give it a chance. That's cool. I like that. Wow. My dad, um, I grew up in – I've done ministry pretty much my whole life until about a year ago. And um, there's this – Casey, I know you're – I know you guys are uh, churchgoers, and so I, I'm sure you have some understanding of – like church staff type stuff that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's not unnormal for there to be high turnaround or turnover rates in church staff and to just kind of go bounce from church to church, to church, to church. 
And um, I remember we kind of got in this little habit of, of kind of doing that, right? And like if something bad happened, we'll just go find another church to work at or whatever. Mm-hmm. And my dad one time, he was like, you know, and, and I've, I had said like, I want to see this. I want to see a, a boom happen in a church. I've been in all these churches and, and I've never seen like the just like really big growth moments, right? And he said, well, maybe you just haven't given that a chance to happen. Like, like it's easy to like, like with what you're saying to translate that into deer hunting, it's easy to say like, man, I'm not going to hunt this spot for this reason. Right. Because it wouldn't make sense, even though, you know, like you, you're confident in your capability. You've seen what maybe pattern a deer doing something and like those just wild, crazy stories that you hear about almost always, it came down to a decision that was outside mm-hmm. of the norm, like mm-hmm. just not a normal decision. Is that kind of what yeah. you're getting at? Ab- absolutely, dude. I mean, you remember, this is where I got this. Like, do you remember being a kid and like going and fishing, we call them pools, but like a stock tank. And then like something wild would happen, like a snapping turtle eats your spinner bait and you yeah. and your buddy just can't believe this crazy thing happened, right? Like I want to channel that feeling and, and put that into a hunt. Like you got to, you got to go fish the stupid little mud hole for that thing to happen. You know, the same thing goes for hunting. Now don't do something actually stupid, like, you know, hunt in the parking lot. Cause it's not going to go well, <laughs> you know, but like <laughs> if you, if for some reason, like you feel like the best move is to hunt 20 yards from the parking lot, then do it because it's, I, you know, if you, if it is the best move, do it, like give the amazing thing a chance to take place. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. I believe the way that my dad actually said it was don't, don't give up on, uh, what was it? Don't give up, give up on your miracle before it happens. Yeah. I like yeah. that. That's cool. You know what I mean, it's like, it's just one of those things. Like if you're going through the day to day, doing everything the exact same way and expecting different results, that's like the de- definition of insanity. Correct. Mm-hmm. So like, don't be insane. Don't be insane. Hunt yeah. like Casey. <laughs> I think right. that's what you meant to say. So right. <laughs> knowledgeably aggressive and don't be insane. Hunt like KC. I think those All are, right. those like are two, if you ever get a business card made it needs to have those two quotes on it. All um, right. I know a good graphic designer. I can holler at for that. <laughs> let me know. I might hire him out. <laughs> um, well, cool, man, Matt, did you have anything else that you wanted to add to that? No, man, that was, that was outstanding. Uh, ready to go out of state now and God, apply some of this. That's, Let's go, bro. Wait. I'm, yeah, buddy. I am Jack. So what I gathered is, I need to go hunt Oklahoma. I need to hunt South Dakota, and really just invest because there's bucks in those places, right? Now, don't, too far from home for you. Sorry, yeah, man. Don't uh, piss people <laughs> off. I don't know if we have. I don't know if we have any South Dakota or Oklahoma listeners, but we just won't risk. Won't risk uh, pissing uh, them off. I know we were trying to wrap it up, man. But like, there's you can state chase all you want to, but this kind of goes back to the. Uh, the thing that we started talking about with this is like finding something that's feasible for you to go to and learning it pretty good can be way better than just like having a one-off to Nebraska or something. You know what I mean? Like, dude, there's deer in every state. And if you find you a good spot and learn it good, like you can go make amazing happen about near anywhere, you know? And it's all over YouTube. I mean, dudes kill big deer everywhere, right? So that can, that can be you guys. That can be you. That was good stuff. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. 
And as always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Tethered, Spartan Forge, and Six Day Grind Coffee Company. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.